0: Desideratum is a Latin word. It means things that are desired as essential. This podcast celebrates storytelling as essential. I'm audiobook narrator Teresa Bakken, showcasing the talents of my author and narrator friends. I hope you'll hear an artist you love or find your next favorite wordsmith.
1: regardless of religion, race, and geography. What connects us all? The need to love and be accepted. And this goes back to to Hannah in the novel. She broke the age barrier that in our country, women become invisible after 50.
0: Mm.
1: When we're really, we finally just figure it all out. At least I did. (laughs) Yes. I'm still learning. Every day's a school day for me. And I hope to be learning every day and until it's over with. Yes. So I love that Hannah is strong and brave despite her vulnerability at 73.
0: Yes. Yes, you did write a really fierce 73 year old actually. Both of these women are very strong, but there is something you're right about having a protagonist at that age that we don't see often in stories, maybe often enough. Yeah.
1: Can you imagine being so vibrant and people sought your advice to being in a culture where you're not of need? There's nothing you could do to change or improve upon in this culture where in many cultures many cultures around the world older women and men are sought for their wisdom
0: yes revered yes absolutely mm-hmm. and not dismissed yeah so you you have a character who her own family that's true is being a little dismissive um oh that
1: daughter-in-law must be <laughs>
0: This is Johnny Bernhard talking about her new novel, Hannah and Ariella, and we will hear a scene with that daughter-in-law Johnny just mentioned in a couple of minutes. But first, you should know this fictional book takes you on a journey into the real, dark world of human trafficking. And Johnny approaches this complicated story from many different angles and perspectives. It's literally told chapter by chapter through the eyes of more than a dozen characters. So let's start there, with Johnny explaining how this kind of storytelling challenged her and made her put her ego in her back pocket.
1: I was so nervous in the first-person points of view I used for Ariella, Ricky Alvarez, Mm -hmm. Miguel, and Eduardo, the... Sheriff, the policia in uh, Zaragoza, Mexico, all those characters that I thought I'm an Anglo woman and I'm trying to write in either a Mexican American voice or a Mexican voice. So I tapped into sensitivity readers. And you might recognize the Mahayane in the novel. They're great ranchers in Mexico. And, and so I worked with him a lot. Uh, my other sensitivity reader was an author, traditionally published. Philippe Dietrich. Philippe was a journalist in Mexico City who covered the cartels. And we became friends and so started following his work. And uh, I was willing, very important for writers to do, I put my ego in my back pocket and I rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. We trusted each other. So I learned so much from working with these men. And then I had other readers that maybe grew up in uh, West Central Texas and knew the land. So it was really important for me to step back, put the ego in the back pocket, and listen to hear what these people had to say about my manuscript. And I, I did a huge revision according to all these people I worked with
0: yeah so you kind of flesh out these points of view very briefly you have a this is a really concise story johnny this is not a long story and yet there's so much detail that was so impressive to me when i got to the end of 175 pages or whatever it was i thought oh wow you really packed a lot into each one of these points of view
1: well here's the thing i started out with the background in journalism i got a degree in journalism when you start in journalism, you're taught each word is valuable, And you only have so many words in journalism to tell a big story.: Yes. And that's what I'm taking into writing as an author.
0: There is a story about immigration is sort of interwoven in this, but not just the immigration that maybe you would think, "Oh, this is along the Texas-Mexico border." You actually weave in Hannah's story because of her German grandmother. And one of the things you weave in is, it a, is about an accordion. Would you talk a little bit about the accordion? The incident
1: about the accordion is that the French are well known for having the accordion. So you would have had that in Castorville, where the French landed. And you would have had the German immigrants with their accordion. And that would have been their, their pleasure on a Saturday evening gathering together and dancing with their neighbors. But you also had the Spanish and the Mexicans and they would have the accordion. And uh, I have some family stories, particularly my mother-in-law, who is uh, a World War II bride from Germany, survived Germany, met a Texas GI, in Germany, right after the war, married him, came to this country. Carla lives in Kerrville. She's an exceptional human being. I pattern a lot of Hannah after her. And uh, the lovely thing about Carla, when she came to this country as a young bride, she brought her accordion from Germany.
0: Oh, it's a portable instrument like a guitar. Um, and we do kind of associate it with with dancing, I think, and and celebration. It does ha- it connotates that
1: and cultures, multiple cultures you use it
0: multiple cultures. Yeah. I love how you just explained Texas as a melting pot because I don't know that everybody thinks of it that way. Um, but the influence of French and German and Spanish and mexican on on life in Texas is really. Evident as you tell these, this particular story from these multiple points of view. One of the other things that I appreciated or I felt like was one of the themes in this was you make a reference to miracles. Uh, there's a smell of roses. There's the sound of a dog barking. I wondered how you, how you decided to weave those things in and, and why they were important to you in this story. The
1: principal heroes, heroines, are Hannah and Ariella, and they both have a great faith in another woman, that is Mary. And so Mary, many times in stories from the Catholic Church, she is often remembered or becomes part of that person's life if they're praying to her for intercession it begins with the smell of roses. And that is recognized uh, in the Catholic church worldwide. And so it's that faith component that brings these two women from very different worlds together. And that happens to be a woman who struggled and suffered a great deal in her lifetime, but it was her faith that helped her survive what was given to her. And she accepted it. She didn't run from it. Hannah didn't run from the challenge given to her. She accepted it. Ariella didn't give up. She ran because she wanted to be home with her family. And the sound of the dog barking, uh, this is Texas folklore. So a ghost dog in Texas folklore may be a dog that the owner was very partial to. It's a special bond between the dog and the owner.
0: Yes. Yes, I know because I know your other works that there frequently is a dog that becomes one of the characters in a significant way, you know. And so the relationship between human and dog as a pet is is sometimes elevated in your work you know I think you you give a nod to that in this story as well.
1: Well I, I think I think there's there's a great example of unconditional love in animals. Yes. And we can learn a lot from animals in that a bad animal like a bad human being isn't born. They're made by cruelty. But love and patience for both the animal that has been rejected or hurt by humans, as well as humans rejected and hurt by other humans, love and patience can conquer that.
0: I think that the power of love is definitely a theme in your storytelling. Can you talk a little bit about how you how you decided to bring these two really different people. They are both women, but they are really from different backgrounds. They have different life experiences and yet you intertwine them in a way that demonstrates how we need each other and how we benefit by serving each other.
1: Thank you, Teresa. That's a great question. And I'll tell you what inspired me. Well, several things, but this, this was quite the inspiration. Uh, in, in many of my books I begin with a quote and the reason why I do that I'm telling you reader this is the journey you're going to go on with me in this book Yes. and the quote that begins this novel is cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the traveler the fatherless and the widow And that's how I developed Hannah, the widow, the fatherless, Katia, and the sojourner, the traveler. Mm. And that would be Ariella.
0: That's a good place to pause and let you hear a couple minutes of Johnny's storytelling style. This is from the beginning of the book. One of the title characters, Hannah, has just been widowed. She's adjusting to life without her beloved husband, August. Her family has some ideas about her future. And there's some foreshadowing about what's to come. This is from Hannah and Ariella, written by Johnny Bernhard. The boys ate in silence, covering their scrambled eggs with pico de gallo. The jalapenos, tomatoes. Cilantro and onions, vibrant in their colors, on the mustard yellow yolks of farm eggs. Sam wasn't eating, only sipping the cold cup of coffee he held in his hands. Mama, it just doesn't feel right, leaving you alone on the ranch. It's not just the work that needs to be done, it's the isolation. You're too far from town. I looked at him without answering. He had his father's high forehead. Dark, wavy hair and strong jawline. Unlike his father, Sammy was developing a middle-aged paunch from years of sitting in front of a computer to earn his living. Rock Springs isn't the same town I grew up in. Hell, the Border Patrol has its own office here. Narco is a billion-dollar business. You're too damn close to the border, Mama. You ought to just sell it all and move to San Antonio near us. "'I'm not selling the ranch, and I'm not selling the few animals I have left so I can move into town. "'I can't quit my job and move here to take care of you,' he replied, raising his voice. "'Don't be ridiculous, Sam. I'd never ask that of you. "'At 73, I think I've figured out how to take care of myself. "'Now, quit worrying. Y'all need to finish breakfast and get on the road.' You don't want to get stuck in I-10 traffic. I placed my hand over his, resting on the table. Sam, I'll call Joseph this afternoon, and we'll talk about what needs to be done out here. Boys, pick up your plates and put them in the sink. Get your things packed. Leslie stood up from the table, nodding at Sam. Thank you for breakfast, Hannah. Still that uncomfortable politeness in her as if she were speaking to the owner of a bed-and-breakfast and and not the woman who gave birth to her husband, the man she's been sleeping with for over 20 years. But what did that matter at this point in our relationship? Or really, to me and the rest of my life? Not much. Leslie would keep being Leslie, and I'd just be her mother-in-law, someone she didn't necessarily love but tolerated for civility's sake. In another hour, their suitcases were packed and at the front door. I noticed August's rifle was leaning in the corner. Did you put that there, Sam? It's on safety. Just leave it there, Mama. You might have a repairman. People out here you don't know. It sends a strong message that you're not vulnerable out here. You know how to use it if you have to. I nodded my head, knowing it was a good idea. This, though, also is about human trafficking, about these, these young girls in the story who are kidnapped and stolen away from their homes into the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where Hannah and Ariella cross paths. I think you've really taken on something uh, in the headlines and that has a lot of, lot of angles on it.
1: Well, Teresa, I felt like I had to say something. It wasn't easy for me to write these things, to research it. Mm -hmm. Um, Human trafficking isn't just a border problem. I'm currently speaking to you from Mississippi. It's in the United States. When we look at the number of human trafficking incidences reported, Mississippi's number three. Wow. We have casinos. This is a problem of people with a lot of wealth. Not all people with wealth are evil, But this is a money-driven issue. Every 30 seconds, someone in this country is taking into a form of human trafficking. Wow. It's all about greed. And call it what it is because sometimes I think we may shrink away, shy away from sexual trafficking that's so ugly and awful, it's difficult to talk about. Let's call it this, modern day slavery. It's now the number one crime in the world. In Gulfport, Mississippi, A mother and her middle school-aged daughter were shopping. The daughter went to look at something else different in the store. Two men grabbed her, brought her into the men's restroom, changed her hair color, changed her clothes, and were taking her from the store. The mother shouted out to store security, I can't find my daughter. The girl began screaming. The men dropped her. And she was reunited with her daughter. So there's story upon story upon story. It's an epidemic worldwide. It's not just a border issue. I made it a border issue because I have a small family place a hundred miles from the border in Texas. And I love the land and I love the cultural diversity there. And it's just a small, ranging community. And I subscribed to the weekly newspaper that when I first began subscribing, their crime report was cow got out a pen, dog barking at night. And then all of a sudden, crime reports of human trafficking, people left on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. And it's, it's a desert-like climate it's 110 degrees there now. And the townspeople and the people that live out on the ranches are helping these people. It's an issue of human life and how to save it.
0: Yes. I know that the multi-point of view must have been difficult, but it really it's the it's a really wonderful way to tell this particular story, I think. You know, it's a fiction, but it really. There's so many real components coming together that allow the reader to see all those angles that maybe have been tucked around corners for them in the past, you know, that, oh, I never thought about that dark corner or that dark corner. You are shining a light on something from multiple points of view. Um, it's, it's, it's enlightening in different ways.
1: Thank you. Well, It's a very complicated story. So I think as an author, I deserve to let the reader know in my research to give the psychological background, this is what's going on. You've got to provide a backstory. And it's, it's a lot like when I said earlier, a bad dog isn't born. A bad dog, a violent, a killer dog is created by a human being. It doesn't mean that that can't be changed, but it takes a lot of love and a lot of patience.
0: I want to thank Johnny Bernhardt for her patience and time and essential storytelling. You can find her other award-winning literary fiction novels and more about her on her website. I'll put a link in the show notes. I've had the absolute honor of narrating her novels, Sisters of the Undertow, How We Came to Be, and A Good Girl. Finally, you should know, a portion of the proceeds from Hannah and Ariella book sales will go to the aid of victims of human trafficking. A special thank you to TCU Press, and as always, thank you for listening.